I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello, and welcome, or should I say welcome back, to the Indie Football Podcast. I am Ed Malian, as ever, sports editor of The Independent, and today I am flanked uh, by two of my most trusted lieutenants. Uh, to my left, Jack Pitbrook, returning from uh, a week of, I would say holiday, but annual leave is probably more appropriate. Uh, yeah, I didn't go very far. What we call a staycation, I yeah, believe. Yeah. Um, got a lot done? Uh, not really. Uh, I went to go and see Roma for a second time it's much better on the cinema than on Netflix if you can please watch it in the cinema anything else any other Oscar favourites uh, I didn't see any other films this week oh no I saw the f- I saw the favourite a few weeks ago any good uh, yeah I liked it it was funny uh, I think it loses a bit of structure in the second half a bit like the lobster um, and that was it really I kind of tried to do as little as possible and succeeded who's your favourite for best picture uh, Roma, definitely. Roma for sure. And to my right, uh, far less cultured, but nonetheless still a valuable part of the team, <laughs> is uh, our man about Arsenal Town, Luke Brown. Hello, how are you, Ed? Uh, well, I'm glad you are, so I'm absolutely fine. Um, how are you on this cold Monday morning? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you. I've been working all weekend. Worked a lot last week as, as well, so probably need well, a day off. Soon. It's almost as if uh, sport happens at weekends, <laughs> and that is what happens when you take this job. Um, you were at Probably the biggest game of the weekend. Um, Arsenal-Chelsea, you know, probably a, a bit too big a game for you perhaps, but <laughs> but you managed it. Um, so, what what's the big, you know, upshot of, of the weekend? We looked at that game and, and I think most of us thought it would be kind of tight going into it. Arsenal come away with the win. Chelsea, what, what the Spanish would call like tocado, like a, a bit, they're a bit hurt by that because... It seemed to be a bit of a setback for the Maurizio Sarri era. Is that fair? Um, I think so. But, I mean, it was more his reaction to the performance, wasn't it? Because it was a bad performance anyway, um, especially against an Arsenal side that are incredibly inconsistent. And against West Ham, the w- literally the weekend before, I think that was probably their worst performance of the season. So they were definitely there for the taking. But, yeah, Sarri was absolutely furious afterwards and came into the press conference, said that he wasn't going to speak in English because he wanted to kind of get his words exactly right and then just basically laid into his players, said that their attitude was completely wrong, said that he doesn't know how he can motivate them. Um, Which is like a problem. Well, yeah, and it's all quite weird because fundamentally they lost because of the system they played and, you know, Chelsea's flaws were very much like his flaws in that game. Explain to us what you mean by that. Why do they lose because of the system Maurizio Sarri because whenever Chelsea don't play well, it's generally because Jorginho gets completely destroyed on and off the ball. So Arsenal just set up in a way where Ramsey could just kind of hurtle around the pitch, chasing it. You think they're too easy just to play against, basically? Yeah, potentially, yeah. And obviously it doesn't really help like when you've only got Hazard as your centre-forward. And the amount of times he picked up the ball, looked up, scanned the pitch, and there was just nobody in front of him. You know, He, he was so visibly frustrated, so... 
I'm not really sure how much of that is the, the, the player's fault. I'd like Sarri definitely needs to accept some criticism there. We expect Chelsea to look different by the end of the month anyway, with Gonzalo Higuain kind of metaphorically sat on the runway waiting for the... I guess it's for the things to fall. So Christoph Piatek, who's Higuain's uh, replacement in Milan, essentially, is, has signed now. That's official, I believe. So we're waiting for Alvaro Morata to move to Atletico Madrid, for which Atletico, as we reported like 10 days ago, need to clear a little bit of wage bill room. They still haven't managed to get out either Nikola Kalinic or Gelson Martins or any of the other kind of recent signings that have failed to clear up some, some salary space. When they do, Morata goes out on loan to Atletico Madrid, Higuain comes in at Chelsea. Um, it might be the sort of change they need, Jack, looking at what we've seen. Maybe, although I kind of get the impression that Chelsea's, from what Sammy was saying, that Chelsea's problems are more ingrained than can be solved by adding another striker. Like, the way that he, the way that he spoke about, about the players suggests there is, like, that he really doesn't feel as if the players are picking up on what he's teaching them at all, and he and he needs to raise the stakes by calling out their mentality like this, in a way which is a huge risk for any manager to do. Like, it's kind of a Conte move. It is a bit of a Conte move. Well, like lots, of, you know, plenty of Chelsea. There's a long list of Chelsea managers in the Abramovich era who have gone to war with the dressing room and lost. Like Conte, Conte's probably one of the only few who challenged the players and won. Uh, but ultimately, like you've got to win the title, or you're going to get sacked. Really, if you if you if you go to war with the dressing room like that, they're not looking like winning the title. Um, I was at Fulham Spurs yesterday, where until the absolute last kick of the game, essentially, it looked like we were going to have a bit of a, a fourteen mini league, essentially, for the final two Champions League spots. It doesn't quite look like that now. United are in sixth on forty four points. Arsenal who were, what, eight clear of them not so long ago, are now level on them on points uh, in fifth place with 44. Chelsea are the right side of the Champions League line on 47 and Spurs on 51. But Spurs do have probably the hardest running of those teams. I think they've still got to go to the Etihad, still got to go to the Bridge, um, Anfield as well. So I definitely think Spurs are going to drop points. Well, they, I mean... Did you, you saw the game yesterday, Spurs yep, Fulham? Yep. Uh, let's, let's segue smoothly into that one. I didn't really get the impression that, you know, for, I, I wrote after the game uh, that this is a team that you can sometimes see, and we've discussed this on the podcast as well with you, Jack, because you see a lot of Tottenham. Four and a half years into Pochettino's reign there, they're kind of at times a self-automated sort of team. Um, and for my piece for this morning, which is already on, online, you can read about, there, there was one moment where, where Kieran Trippier got the ball well in the Fulham half and he looks up and he's looking for Llorente in the box. You know, They did try everything yesterday to put into place a system around Fernando Llorente where he could thrive. So they played the, the three at the back, five at the back, whichever way you want to see it. So they had these kind of crosses coming in from deep. They had Deli Ali and Eric Lamella trying to play as close to him as possible so that you gave him some help. It didn't really work because Llorente is so static and he's so sluggish really that, that, that nothing really works there's a point where Trippier looks there he, he wants to swing the cross in and Alderweireld is staring at him and he just points back at Jan Bertongen and screams at him and Trippier like a naughty school kid kind of turns around and passes the ball back and they know what they're supposed to do even when the occasional kind of impulse tells them not to do it that's interesting because I, I think Spurs probably played their best football at the Pochettino era playing the back three this was back in 2016-17 mm-hmm. where they played basically a sort of 3-4-2-1 with, with Ali and Eriksson uh, in the hole just behind Kane 
and they were fantastic. And even, I mean, I wasn't at the game yesterday. I was only watching the highlights. But even watching the highlights with the three centre-backs and then Rose and Trippier pushed all the way up, it did look a little bit in shape terms like the 2016-17 team. Of course, like the big argument against doing that is Son. And it's been the success of Son, I think, in part, which is for, as well as the problems they've had at fullback, which has forced them back into the sort of 4-2-3-1. But I do think the back three is like not something that Spurs should completely disown. Uh, I do think it's like it can be very, very, very effective for them, and particularly, like you say, without Kane, they're going to have to find a slightly different approach. I think this is probably the right one. And plus, it covers up the numerous flaws of Kieran Trippier, who probably shouldn't even be starting matches anymore, but is still picked week well, in week I know out this by is a little bugbear of yours. That you think uh, <laughs> Serge Aurier should be starting over or o- Carl Walker Peters, who wasn't even named on the bench? Carl Walker Peters. Do you think Walker Peters is better than Trippier? I def- I'm not sure if he's. Is this someone getting carried away with the young kid? Are you getting no, no? Because I mean, Serge Aurier should be playing ahead of Trippier anyway and if not I would say Walker Peters I mean especially when you what do you do with Trippier then sell him for like 60 mil while his value is still high well, should have, yeah potentially I mean United have been interested in Trippier sort of on and off I mean, there was there was like there was talk last summer of a move um, to United and I wouldn't be super shocked if that was to come back as Antonio an, Valencia's contract runs out at the end of the season yeah, like worth United, United certainly need an injection of pace at right back they need full backs on both sides yeah. this summer well, right? like they have kept Shaw so I wonder oh, yeah. whether Shaw, Shaw might yet be saveable whereas I think Trippier would be well he got a big new contract did he not yeah right so that's why I think they won't go for left back but I do think that right I mean right back's been a problem position for United for years really and I do think Trippier could be like an obvious solution to that. I think there is, there has been interest in the past from United. I think there's been interest in Trippier's end as well. Uh, so that would be one to keep an, to keep half an eye on. And, it, and if they can promote Walker Peters, then it's you know it's one of those where you make a lot of money that you could spend elsewhere, perhaps in finally bringing in a backup striker because. Almost for the entire Pochettino reign, they've struggled with this. As, as someone who was at the game yesterday, would you say Lorente's performance is the worst Man, you can it was remember? Dire. Spurs, like he gave the ball away. Yeah, I mean, so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just me who thought that, right? You, I you watching it? I honestly can't remember a worse individual Spurs performance than that. Oh, I'm glad someone else feels like that because I thought it was utterly dire. Um, I, I really, really kind of wondered if this would work, you know, at the start, and then. Fulham score a freak goal, and obviously it has to be Urente who scores the own goal. <laughs> Fulham could, basically couldn't create anything, and and Spurs. I got the impression that Spurs knew that without Kane to create chances and without Son to create chances, because you know they're not just guys who finish chances; they are guys who create them for themselves. Um, without those two, you felt as if they might. They were ramping it up a little bit. They were playing the entire game in Fulham's half, like all of the, you know they're playing five at the back, yes, but. All five of those defenders had pushed into the Fulham half and they were trying to dominate play and they were tr- getting players around. You know, Ali and Lamella were right behind and, and around Urente trying to help him as much as humanly possible. The width was coming from Rose, who did pretty well, I think, especially in the second half, and Trippier. And then still there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing there for Urente. He couldn't create a chance, let alone anything. And, and But he had, the thing is, he had no respect from defenders. It is. The Urente you remember was a kind of a big physical specimen who caused problems for defenders because he was physical and he had a bit of nous about him, a bit of experience and, and kind of he was wily almost. They just stood off him and they let him have five yards because as soon as the ball came to him, you could shut down that five yards in seconds and he's not going to do anything to hurt you. He's not going to get the ball out of his feet and shoot. He's not going to play a cute pass to someone like and thread Deli Alley through. There was no threat level with Urente in there at all. 
But you knew after the game, especially when they win it, you know, I wonder if they hadn't scored that second goal, if it would have been the same. But Poch came in and was lauding Llorente and saying, yeah. it was a really good performance. And so it wasn't a really good performance. We all saw it. Uh, it was it was pretty poor. But he said it was really good. He was really happy. And then immediately dropped, without being questioned about it, that Lucas Moura had trained uh, yesterday uh, at the training ground and was likely to be fit for Chelsea, bench or start. So... I got the impression then that they might not dip into the transfer market. Um, there's no interest in Jared Bowen or or Malcolm from Barcelona or, and Hull, respectively, um, who we think could have come in. So now you're looking at it and you're saying, if they get Lucas Moura back as their kind of next step, yeah. and then after that they get Sun back, and then after that they get Kane back, it's Daniel Levy's perfect thing. We don't need to go and spend Although any money. Although, you, I mean, the other... I think Pochino was right to play the system he played yesterday. I think he was right to play Lorente, especially with Lucas out injured. But the other big plan which Poch spoke about, um, because he was away in Barcelona, was he playing before. the kid? No, it was playing Deli Ali as uh-huh. a false yeah. nine, which okay. he said when he went to Barcelona for a bit of downtime, he watched Messi and yeah, yeah. had that plan. Um, and obviously, with Ali now suffering what looked to be a, a reasonably bad muscular injury, yeah, that, that plan's completely he didn't, gone. He didn't know the extent of it after the game, but it's it, going to be one of the big things, I think, in the next few days is that alley scan and that from there figuring out exactly what what resources Spurs have for the the Chelsea because they've got Chelsea on Thursday yes. in the Carabao Cup semi-final second leg which is a huge game Like what's the score from the first leg they've got a 1-0 lead 1-0 lead I thought they were not great in that first leg uh-huh. but they dug in uh, I think they're playing at Chelsea at a good time because Chelsea is such a mess at the moment uh, that's on the flip side we could be facing a big kind of Chelsea reaction the players might want to prove Sarri wrong um but if Spurs can dig out a result, then they're then they're back in the League Cup final for the, their first final since the 2015 League Cup final. So that would be a huge and Poch, who's never won a trophy, right. as we've probably heard so against, many times, probably up against City. But that, so that would be a huge thing for the club if they could make it into that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a far more important match than Palace away in the f- in the fourth round of the FA Cup, uh, where both teams will this, probably play right this Sunday players. afternoon. I think Spurs would be pretty relaxed about going out in the FA Cup, given that that what they've got on in the Premier League and the Champions League. But you're right, going into that, th- that Thursday night game, I think they might have to go with Llorente and Lucas, perhaps, as the front two. I hope they stick with the back three, which I think is much better for them. And also, in central midfield, like, yesterday they had to have, what, Winks and... Ericsson. Winks and, er- what, Winks and Ericsson as the midfield two. Well, so you had... Winks you, was pretty much the only man left in midfield. Yeah. Oh, you, had, you had Llorente, uh, Llorente with... Eric uh, with Ali and Lamella right, either okay. side of him, and then the actual midfield was Winks and Eriksson. Well, I was delighted to see Winks get the goal because he's obviously he's played an awful lot recently. I did think he was looking a little bit leggy uh, a week or two ago, but he worked very hard yesterday. It came from nowhere said, as well. Poch said that he had asked him. You know, he said, "I need you to score more goals." He said that this week. Yeah, well, he's it's fantastic that he's managed to reward him with that because I'm th- hoping he can have a big second half of the season. Because mm. one one more thing on that. Um, the Spurs formation is that back in the good old days of 2016-17 when they played that 3-4-2-1 one of the things that made it tick is they had Dembele and Wanyama in the middle who were such a huge physical presence they they could basically give everyone else the license to go and attack mm-hmm. you know they have basically five attacking players with the front three and the two wing backs whereas now Dembele is playing in China and Wanyama is seemingly finished with his knee problem and now Spurs don't have that same kind of presence, particularly with Sissoko out injured and Dyer just coming back from appendicitis. And that puts even more pressure on guys like Winks to kind of step up and fill that space in the middle of the pitch. It's, it's incredible how there's been so much focus on Tottenham keeping hold of the obvious players, Kane, Delhi, Eriksson, that almost without kind of 
everybody realising that incredibly successful team just melted away. You've got Dembele's left, Wanyama's perpetually injured, the full-backs. I mean, Danny Rose isn't the same player. Walker's yeah. gone, you know, it's, it's, He's it's not the so same many player, big but I, I, he, he made a couple of key contributions yesterday, I thought, Danny Rose. Um, it, it, he isn't... Perhaps as I don't know, he's not as explosive as he was. I think he's just I lost. Think, I don't think Rose has been as explosive since that knee injury he got two years ago. Yeah, which put him out for about six months because that that was before that knee injury. So we're looking now at January 2017. So right at the peak of that, when do you remember that famous game when Spurs beat Chelsea two 0 at White Hart Lane? That was playing this sort of three four two one. That was probably the, one of the best Spurs performances I've ever seen. But that that was like peak, peak Rose. Mm-hmm. And it was at the end of that month, January 2017, two years ago, that Rose picked up that knee injury, which was kind of like at first it was bruising. And then they had that classic thing where they thought it would go away with injections and then it didn't. And then they, they didn't want to have surgery. And then eventually they had surgery. But I kind of feel like even though Rose is currently playing pretty well and recently he started three games in a row for the first time since the injury, he doesn't quite have that same explosiveness or that ability to play at a very, very high physical standard, like two or three times a week, that he did in the kind of good old days of Danny Rose. Um, do, you think it's in, do you think it's interesting that um, he's still at Spurs, given that outburst he had before the World Cup? Uh, I do think it's interesting. I think, it, I think it's most interesting in the sense that he, he very nearly went, like after he did that famous interview with The Sun, so this is summer 2017, mm-hmm. um, like... At the end of that transfer window, he did very nearly go to Chelsea. Like Spurs and Ch- Spurs and Chelsea were haggling over a price, and they weren't that far away. If we would have been in the region, sort of fifty, fifty-five million. Whereas last summer, Rose was one of the players that Spurs were trying to sell, and the price—it <laughs> was a weird situation for Spurs because usually Levy is the one doing the hard bargaining. Whereas last year, because the pressure was on Levy to sell uh, Wanyama, Sissoko, Alderweire, or Rose to generate money to spend on players, you know, Spurs were trying to shop around. Shop, sell their players and they were trying to sell Rose and the price was coming down, 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 down from like 50 million to, you know, less than half of that. And then even then they still couldn't sell him. They tried to loan him to like PSG and Schalke and even that didn't happen. But he's still there. And so it was never like, it was never in anyone's plan for Rose to still be at Tottenham. But the fact is that he's knuckled down, done really, really well this year. He, he was uh, so interesting uh, after the uh, League Cup game against Arsenal at the Emirates and Rose captain Spurs. Spurs obviously won comes to the mix zone afterwards and from what he was saying you just get the impression Poch is such a good manager for him because apparently in the summer they uh, had a sit down chat with each other and Pochettino just straightly kind of directly told him you're wasting your time you know you, you you need to sort it out and there's a place for you here but you need to start fighting for your place in the team and and not agitate stop agitating for a move away and Rose has just responded so well to that and has kind of started working hard again and has put everything in the past and He's an incredibly direct person. He doesn't yeah. really seem the sort to kind of like bear a grudge too much. You know, he's just getting on with his job, and and he is a better option than Ben Davis. And I think if he can stay fit, he's clearly a first a first choice player. And somebody, a source close to the dressing room, said that he was really surprised by how how close the Pochino Rose relationship was again, given given everything that's happened and Rose's outburst and Tottenham trying to sell him and all that kind of sense that he was being a bit victimised after the outburst when he was like, Pochino kept on dropping him for big games, saying he wasn't fit enough. You know, it was really, really, it wasn't great between them, whereas now it's really good again, uh, which I think goes to show, like, you know, they've obviously both, they, you know, they've managed to rediscover a bit of that sort of relationship that was so strong in the first place. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't want this to turn into Spurs hour, so uh, we should move on. Uh, one of the other game yesterday was Huddersfield, Manchester City. Um, as expected, Man City win comfortably there, top of the table. No, they're not. They are... If only. <laughs> we all wish. <laughs> they are four points behind Liverpool. Um, we wish is an interesting point. I'll get on to that in a second. Huddersfield changed their manager this week. Uh, they sacked David Wagner, and they are about to bring in Jan Sievert, we believe, the Dortmund second-team manager, um, which is essentially just a pipeline to a Premier League job now. Huddersfield changing managers, Jack, have you got a view on that? I think we have discussed them as being a team that, you know, already have way overachieved by even being in the yeah. Premier League and staying in the Premier League. Um, what do you think the future kind of has in store for David Wagner? Because I think his future is more interesting possibly than what Huddersfield's right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like which of David Wagner... Like, David Wagner is approximately a million times more likely than Huddersfield to be in the Premier League in on a sort of three to five year view. And that's maths. Yeah, that is... Yeah, I've got a GCSE in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, um, Huddersf- you know, Huddersfield have a terrible squad, let's be honest. Yeah. I, I literally haven't heard of half their players and this is my job. It's great. Uh, it's it, Trying to get people to, to name the Huddersfield starting yeah, 11 from their it, last it, like, game I is a great I quiz. do it because it's like, you know, Florent Pratcha, Hadi Gonaj, Aaron Moy, Elias Kachunga... Uh, Lursel, Rajiv Van Lepara, all these legends, and yet yesterday when the team flashed up, I was like, "Who the hell are these guys?" Um, so yeah, they are. I'm sure they'll go down. It's an, it's a mirror. As I, I think I tweeted this the other day. It was like they're probably the worst squad ever to get promoted into the Prem, with the possible exception of Paul Jules Derby, Blackpool man, yeah, that, that Blackpool, Blackpool team, Blackpool, yeah, that Blackpool team was team. poor. Um, and then I'd say they are like level with that Blackpool team as being the worst team ever to stay up but even that, that Blackpool team DJ Campbell Charlie Adam DJ Campbell David Vaughan uh, Gary Taylor Fletcher yeah, that, so there's one there's bad. one possible there's one possible Premier League player in that didn't, Charlie didn't Adam might DJ be a Campbell Premier League player like 13 goals or something at the near post. So DJ Campbell has never proven himself as a Premier League player what, name that one Brett Ormrod no Gary Taylor Fletcher no David Vaughan has a good championship career David Vaughan had a good championship career, but Charlie Adams is the only one there who spent years in the Premier League, like actually as an actual Premier League player. David Vaughan spent a while in the Premier at Sunderland when he left. Yeah, but he spent most of his career at Forest or, or uh, where else was he? Crew at, at the start? I can't actually name any of the defenders or goalkeepers of that Blackpool team. Mm. Uh, um, Chris Basham. They had Chris Basham, they had Ian oh, yeah. Everett at centre back. Uh, I can't even remember who the goalkeeper was. 
I'm looking at the bottom of the table now. Huddersfield are 10 I points. I think that I'm still going to stick with my original point that that Blackpool team was slightly better than, Huddersfield, than this Huddersfield team. That is insulting to the current Huddersfield team, which only team have... The okay, right. the Premier League was worse as well, I think. Yeah, that, that, is fair, so that is fair. They've got 11 points. Um, no, name me one good Huddersfield player. Steve Mounier. No. Aaron Moy. No. <laughs> 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 I, think, I think Moy's good. I think Moy will find a Premier League <laughs> Moy will find a Premier League club like David Wagner next season. But um, the fact that, like, on back to Wagner's point, like, Wagner is... For Wagner to do what he did with these players is really, really good. He's obviously a very good coach. Let me work my way down the Premier League and you tell me if you would take David Wagner in the summer as a replacement of your current manager. In seventh place, Watford. Why not? Yeah, Wolves. Mm, well, no, because I think Nuno will stay. Leicester. Yes. That to me, that's the so one that I keep an eye on. Yeah. Saying, let's get Sackpool, get Wagner in. Cla- Claude Puel has this weird way that he just jades every fan base he ever works for. Yeah, and all players. It's weird because the, the results they all are hate him. Like not that bad, and yet Sunderland, at, sorry, both Saints and Leicester have had exactly the same thing, which is like I just, we can't have this. It's a chronic boredom. Yeah, sapping the energy out of our club anymore. Um, West Ham. Uh, yeah, we will come back to this. In a I think Pellegrini's a better coach, but yes, Everton. Uh, ooh, maybe I uh, know they've got to stick with Magic Marco. Depends where Magic Marco is on your fraud rankings. Bournemouth, conceivably, if yeah, if Eddie Howe moved on, you could see it. Bro- Brighton. I can't see them. Going to give that a hard no. Going to give that a hard no. Crystal Palace. Why not? Yeah, go for it. You know, if if Roy, with, like, if Roy's ready different. to, uh, it's a very kind of stayed environment around Palace at the moment um, Southampton I uh, know you've only ever sport in Big Ralph yeah yeah <laughs> um, big win for them Burnley can't say it, it I mean if Dyche moves on possibly uh, and Newcastle are now two points clear of the drop zone that's a conceive like so Rafa's contract is up at the end of the summer and if if Rafa walks why would he sign a new deal right now right and if Rafa walks and Ashley's thinking well how can I get some miracle worker to uh, get to keep this championship level squad in the prem? Yeah, yeah. On a budget, I see who it. Won't want a lot of salary. Then Wagner's the man. I but see Wagner, it. He would never take it, surely. Why would you? Huge Why would you? Load of money, big club, especially with the stresses he's been dealing with at Huddersfield, which which are completely it. different. I, I, uh, I'd, I'd argue it's a better. If, that's quite similar. If, you're, if you go from Huddersfield to New- Huddersfield manager to Newcastle manager, you're moving up in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're sure. moving up in the world, job. but you're still working with like the exact same constrictions. I don't know. And like you're you're kind of sealing for success. Well, it looks like that. T- t- surprise, surprise! That takeover is on the rocks again. You've always got that. I guess I don't know. I think it's a really that would be a really big thing for Wagner to do in Newcastle. But, but but what realistically would he be able to achieve there apart from keep them up? That is the yeah. only thing he could do, which is the same as Huddersfield. I guess maybe think... Win a cup. What if... No, Cusman. No, win a cup, you kidding me. to win a cup. But I do think he, he might think, well, what if a takeover happens in two years' time? And what if I'm suddenly in the right place at the right time? Or two even, years is a very Or even just burn time, it, yeah. continue to burnish his reputation in such a way that he can get a big job in Germany. It's a bit like it's a bit like the, the Poch effect. MNT. It's a bit like the Poch effect when you do have these limited resources. I, I kind of alluded to that in my piece as well. You know, the fact that... If, if Spurs don't go into the market for a striker this month, you know, because... What, you're comparing Spurs? No, no, listen, listen, no, listen, listen. <laughs> I'm so, so against it. Listen, Llorente yesterday, you're watching his performance, and you're like, there is no way that there's no player on the market available on loan or for transfer who is not better than Fernando Llorente. That's what you're saying watching yesterday's performance, right? I still feel Spurs will not go into the market because of a variety of reasons, like we said, Lucas coming back, Son coming back, Kane eventually coming back. 
and the fact that they don't necessarily have a load of money to spend, and the fact they don't seem to want to spend a lot of money, and it's not the way they tend to do things. So add all those up, right? And then you're looking at it like, okay, they're not going to buy a striker. It's annoying because Daniel Levy's not doing it. Whatever. But Pochettino kind of has a, a human shield there where he can say, you know, down the line he can say, I wanted a striker and we didn't get one. Right now, he might want a striker, but he's, he knows he's not going to get one. That's fine. It's when you have the limited resources, like Rafa. Like Rafa gets a, a nil-nil draw away from home and he is lauded because he's got scant resources with which to work. So I think that if Wagner, for example, went to Newcastle at the end of the season and didn't have a load of money to spend and kept them up, he would be treated the same way. Do you think that's fair, Jack? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. One thing I want to say on, on Wagner, Wagner and West Ham is that I know that West Ham interviewed they, Wagner. They were interested before, right? In, like, when they still had Billich, uh-huh. so sort of 2016-ish. Um, this was... Yeah, this is when they were thinking of sacking Billich. Well-run like club. Six then. months before they did. And they got they got Marco Silva and David Wagner in for interviews to just just, just for a kind of chat about what about the possibility of getting them in. And apparently, in these in this kind of informal chat they had with, with, with Wagner, the person who asked him the most questions was Jack Sullivan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's how I'd want it, yeah. And uh, at that point, Wagner was like, you know what, I'm going to sit with Huddersfield Town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The things did change at the bottom uh, because Newcastle beat Cardiff 3-0. So Newcastle leapfrogged Cardiff out of the relegation zone. Um, that's a significant result down there, but also kind of, I think, more reflective of what we've seen this season. Newcastle do, to me, look a better side than Cardiff. Other results on Saturday. Big win for Ralph Hampton, as you say, against um, Magic Marcos, waning Everton. Watford 0, Burnley 0, Arsenal 2, Chelsea 0, which we discussed. Man United 2, Brighton 1. Anyone have any thoughts on that? Uh, apparently Rashford's goal is good, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's no, it's it's a, it's a nice finish. Liverpool four, Crystal Palace three, um, was one of two four threes on Saturday. Wolves beat Leicester four three, and Bournemouth beat West Ham two nil. Um, Liverpool, I wanted to mention just because of that point that you said, Luke. Liverpool becomes self-aware. Jurgen Klopp on Friday, um, acknowledging that there are lots of people who don't want his team to win the Premier League this year. And they, you know, they kind of came close to screwing things up again against Crystal Palace uh, on Saturday. They were behind. Andros Townsend scored the first goal there. They were level. They ended up winning. They're four points clear, but they don't look to be the purring attacking machine that they were before. They're a bit more leaky at the back. The gap is four points. At this point, who are you saying is going to win the title? I still, I still think Liverpool will will win. I still think the the gap is big enough. Plus, I think they've got they've got the hardest Champions League, well, the harder Champions League draw out of uh, Liverpool and City, which could potentially work to their advantage. If they get knocked out. Yeah, I mean Bayern Munich obviously aren't quite the same team they they were, but it's not inconceivable that Bayern Munich will knock no. them out. And if that happens, then obviously that's going to strengthen Liverpool's yeah, league case. Yeah, they'll be quite pleased not to be in the FA Cup or the League Cup. Mm. I think if they, yeah, you're right. If they get knocked out, then I wonder whether they, it, it will become much easier for them. I, I still got my money on Liverpool. I just think that, you know, they, they would need to drop points in quite a few games because it's not. I don't think City will win every remaining game, and I kind of think that they will grind it out. Uh, Liverpool, they haven't. I don't know it's kind of one of those weird ones where 
they played their full team against Palace as strong as they could. They had Milner at right back who uh, got roasted by Zaha for the first goal. Otherwise, it's first choice and, and it's particularly that front three. They, at home, I think, are going to be a really, really difficult team to get past because there's a lot of, a lot of belief around there right now. They're going to have a few games against the top six, basically, and that, I feel like that's going to settle their season. It's hard to see some of the, the smaller teams taking points off them because they seem to have worked out how to break the kind of low block. You know, Roy Hodgson, you, you could have guessed how Roy Hodgson was going to set out at Anfield, and he did. And Palace basically scored one on the counter, which was a very good counter-attacking goal, but it needed to be because they were being pressed to oblivion. One from a set piece, and then the last one was stoppage time, yeah. consolation goal, essentially. Um, I only just realised, looking at the league table, that that would have been Tottenham's first draw of the season if yeah. uh, Harry Winks hadn't popped up the score late. But looking at the title race, it it is... Do you think Tottenham are still part of that, either of you? Or do you think no, that's just exactly. gone, right? It's only five points, points, but that's nine City, to Liverpool. Like, the City and Liverpool squads are much, much better. They've got a few injuries. Like they will, Spurs will kind of slowly leak points. It's, it's a four-way battle for yeah. third and fourth, I think. Spurs now. will get sucked into that third, fourth battle. Magic of magic of the Cups coming up. We've got Thursday, Chelsea Spurs, as we discussed, in the Carabao. Then Friday night, the FA Cup magic begins. Arsenal, Man United. Luke, you're going to be at that one. Oh, me too. Uh, so are you, Jack. Biggest game of the weekend. So just give us a couple of thoughts on that before it goes. Um, it's interesting because it's like a good test of where the these two teams, which will probably finish pretty near each other in the Prem, where they are in their development. My, what I was thinking about this, and I'm going to write a piece about this this week, is that United seem to have, within the course of the last like month or so, they have completely rediscovered this sort of lost identity by reappointing Solskjaer, whereas Arsenal, who whose manager has been in place for a lot longer, uh, still are in this kind of wilderness of not really knowing who they are or what they're trying to do, uh, which suggests that maybe like solutions are not as difficult as we think, or maybe maybe United seem to have solved their problems far quicker than Arsenal have. A question we might need to address at the end of every podcast up until the end of the season. If you're Ed Woodward at the moment, who are you hiring at the end of the season? Solskjaer or are you going to try and go for Pochettino still? Well, I think, like, there's been some reporting this week or last week uh, saying that United staff and players are increasingly behind Solskjaer. It's difficult when when these things develop momentum. It's very difficult to be the kind of party pooper who says, you know what, guys, this thing you're getting really excited about, you're not going to have it because I'm actually going to sit with my original plan. That becomes like, there comes a point where it is politically difficult mm-hmm. not to keep it. We saw it, we saw it with Di Matteo at Chelsea 2012, after he won the Champions League. We saw it to a lesser extent when Liverpool hired King Kenny on a short-term basis. And then they had to sack him to get in Brendan and like, they had to deal with lots of like outcry at that. Um, so it, it's tough. Like, can, I think, can you think of an example where it's not happened? The only the only one I can think of where there's been like a successful caretaker manager who's like ended the season with a bit of success after a torrid season and then hasn't got the jobs hitting, but then he didn't want it. Yeah, with Hiddink it was always they were trying to get him, but he just never. I think with Hiddink it was so, Solskjaer would cut off his right arm for the job. So yeah. no, with Hiddink it was so known that it was only ever going to be a six month a six month thing. I'm trying to think of other like I can't think of anyone short, being kind of spectacularly overlooked. Uh, Rafa. Rafa 2012-13 at Chelsea won the Europa League mm, then Jose came back in but I think with with Rafa it was like we, everybody knew at that point that Chelsea were trying to get uh, 
Jose or even Guardiola, weren't they? Uh, obviously, Guardiola gone to Barca. Yeah, yeah. But by that point, but everybody knew that Chelsea had like higher ambitions than Rafa. And also, like the fans hated him in such a way that it would have been very difficult yeah. to keep him. You couldn't have kept him on. It would have been possible. Yeah, finishing top four and winning the Europa League. And I, I will always stand for Rafa Benitez. But uh, in the same way that you would stand for Jose Mourinho winning the Europa League uh, no, at United. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a good person. Uh, <laughs> in, in solidarity with Eva, you wouldn't. Um, any other business, please, from the world of football before we move on to next week? Um, I am... Some juicy cup games as well. Millwall, Everton, Portsmouth, QPR. I'm in Munich on Sunday for a Champions League scouting mission. It's oh, b- cool. buy and take on Stuttgart. Um, we, yeah, we're going to have, obviously, all the, the Friday night action, I guess. It's going to be quite a big game, Arsenal United. And then Saturday, there's a ton of, of fourth-round ties, the pick of which, mm, I would say, is probably Wimbledon West Ham. That's quite an interesting one. The, the FA Cup kickoff times, by the way, you know, the Premier League gets a lot of uh, criticism for being overly corporate and, and inconsiderate to fans. The FA Cup kickoff times are terrible. Yeah, so the FA Cup, the FA, I think last, I did a piece about this, but, but last year, I think, signed a big new juicy TV deal, mm-hmm. foreign TV. Uh, which was worth a lot more money, and that money has led to them like doubling all the prize money throughout the FA Cup. Um, but this means that you know they are bending over backwards to suit foreign broadcasters. And you know we obviously, like you say, we people do accuse the Premier League of this, but now the FA Cup is doing it even more than the Bucks is. Um, Friday night, you have got two games: Bristol City, Bolton, yeah. and Arsenal, Man United. I hate the FA Cup so much. There's, there's now like the kind of lesser used Sunday evening slot. Yeah, well, yeah. So Saturday, you got twelve thirty, and then you got a load of three o'clock, and you got a five thirty, and a seven forty-five, which is Wimbledon West Ham. Oh. <laughs> then on Sunday, you got Crystal Palace at Tottenham. Crystal Palace Tottenham at four, Me. and then Chelsea versus Sheffield Wednesday is a six p.m. kickoff on a Sunday evening. Six, like, I don't know if you've ever tried getting a train home to Sheffield on a Sunday evening. Won't somebody think yeah. of the fans? Barnet versus Brentford is Monday night. Uh, Sunday six p.m. is such a bad time to have a football match. It's uh, really like I can't. If you're going to do it though, if you're going to do it, make Palace Tottenham the four o'clock one. Make that the six o'clock one because they're both in London. At least it's a tube journey or a train journey. Mm. You know, it it's it's fully inconsiderate. Nobody wants to be getting in from football at like eleven p.m. midnight on a Sunday night. Really astonishingly simple. Is this the gammon take though? Should we kind of prioritising home fans first? Are, you, I know are we very, the gammons? I know you're very concerned. Are with we the, the bag? I know you're very concerned with the gammon take, um, <laughs> but you've literally just said while being recorded that you hate the no, FA I Cup. No, I do hate the FA Cup. Also, can I just say, is, it, is, it millenn- you, is this a millennial oh, thing? You, like, you know, young people like, hate the don't FA Cup. Mug off the cup advertising campaign. That is also like the worst. That's not, that's I hate a campaign, it. Isn't it. No, that's the what the BT are using oh, really? to they, push uh, the coverage. Now yeah. they've stopped using hashtag. Don't mug off the cup. What What was the one where they they were using Donald Trump to advertise? <laughs> oh, that was last season. Oh, really bad. Another yeah. really yeah. That's actually the worst thing. Guys, we need a really popular political figure to help promote. Yeah, Trump will do it. Yeah. He's he's the guy, the one that gasses children at the border. And on that note, uh, sorry, do you want to say anything else? Oh, well, 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 on, on the note, one more point about Huddersfield. Yeah. <laughs> 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 a few more thoughts about Jonas Lossel. Uh, and I was going to say, I was hoping that in the absence of Miguel Delaney, uh, this would be like a pro FA Cup pod. But I really regret sorry. the fact that Luke sorry. has dragged it into an anti FA Cup pod. L- Luke's desperation to be. Uh, you know, last time he was on here, I believe he was shilling for Jose Mourinho. 
the now sacked Manchester United manager who disgraced himself. Wrong so, um, you know, uh, it's fresh from disgracing himself again. Thank you to Luke Brown. Thank you. Uh, Jack Pitbrook, thank you for coming in. I My hope pleasure. you enjoyed your week off. You look refreshed and restored. Um, I do enjoy January. And I can only hope that that is reflected in uh, your, your emotions in the next couple of weeks um, as we take on a difficult part of the season, including, but not limited to, deadline day, which yeah. is coming up. Uh, so be ready. Um, until then... As always, I remind you to uh, sign up for Indie Minds. You can go to independent.co.uk forward slash podcast. And I think it's only about 15p a day. You get all these exclusive extras, including long reads, ebooks, and a load of other stuff that I can't remember. So please sign up to that. Uh, otherwise, stay tuned to Indie Football, independent.co.uk slash sport, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc., etc. And we will talk to you next Monday. Thank you and goodbye. we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns